So this week, uh, I was sitting down early, early this week and trying to figure out, did I want to do a Father's Day sermon this week, or did I want to keep continue with my uh, traveling through these elders' messages? And I was praying about that, and, and uh, God said, duh, look at the passage. <laughs> That's not, he didn't actually say that, but, you know. Uh, and I looked at the passage, and I said, wow, talk about an overlap, <laughs> Father's Day and elders. Uh, it, is, it is just an absolutely perfect uh, overlap. As we look at the qualifications of an elder, we find real qualifications of a father. But before I do that, I have to do something else here. Tigger has to come off. Um, War Tigger for uh, Father's Day. Tigger has to come off. Buttons have to come undone. I found out, uh, apparently, I, th- I think the government might have something to do with this. I now come with a warning label. And uh, just so that you all know and are properly warned. Beware. <laughs> oh, be careful, or you'll end up in my sermon. <laughs> Dion says, I've been living there for the last 15 years. Uh, but you know, before I actually get into the real message here, I thought about that, because who remembers the message we had on the door during COVID? It said, uh, it said, I forget exactly the wording, but it said, church is a dangerous place, right? And, and we, we had a warning label on the door that said, church is a dangerous place. COVID, church is one of the most dangerous places for spreading COVID. Uh, it, it ranked just after nightclubs and something like that. And, and, uh, and we put a warning on the door. But guess what it did not do? It did not keep you away. Yeah, yeah, you guys came in anyway. Uh, and and uh, we felt we were doing our, our due diligence by that. And I thought, I started, started thinking about, if the government was able to put warnings on a church, what would they say? What would they be? And, and, and I, I don't want to run through all the possible options because we'd, have, you know, we'd have, have to have some guy up there talking really fast for quite a while. <laughs> but, but I want you to know, and you know this, uh, we have some visitors today, maybe you don't know this about us, uh, we have, not exactly as a stated goal, but an implicit goal in everything we do, we want to change your life, okay? Warning, this may change your life. It, we may not always accomplish what we want, but that is our goal. So just know that setting out. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, by the way, if a pastor actually looks at the effectiveness of any particular sermon, He's going to give up and quit. (laughs) But uh, hopefully this message today affects your life. It makes a difference. And I'm going to keep this open because I feel really cool right now. <laughs> this is this is comfortable. I like this. I might I might wear a different Christian T-shirt every week. So uh, I've got a few. Uh, okay, so let's uh, take a minute, or not a minute or two, let's take a half hour or so and look at our Bible. Uh, we're going to look at Elders 101, the qualifications of an elder. Uh, today we're going to look at the qualifications of an elder found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So if you want to open, we actually have a passage today, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Is that what I said? Okay, <laughs> I, I got it right for a change. 
1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at the qualifications of an elder as presented in 1 Timothy chapter 3 with special attention to two of them because they are very much qualifications of a husband as well, the husband of one wife and able to manage his household well. So number one in his list here, let me, let me read through the passage and then I'll come back to it, back through it all. It is a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So first of all, we start with above reproach. And I believe this is a heading for what follows. I don't think it's, it's so much a separate list, a separate item on the list, but, but a heading. He must be above reproach, and these are the qualifications that show he is above reproach. I think that is what is being say, say, saying there. He's got to be above reproach. The guy who is going to, the, the elder, the pastors, have got to be above reproach. He meets these, if he meets these standards, then he is. If he doesn't meet these standards, then he is not. And so how do you define above reproach? I, I have, I used to say Teflon, but now there's so many non, I say he's got to have a non-stick surface, right? A non-stick surface. People can and will throw mud at you, but it must not cling. It must wash off. Uh, quickly and easily. And that is a high standard, right? Uh, people throw mud at him, but he comes out looking good. In spite of the mud that people are throwing, he, he, he gets hit, right? The mud balls hit. You know, when we talk about the armor of God and, and, and putting on the belt of righteousness, or the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith, those things get hit. They take the hits. The thing is, is that they don't get penetrated right? Uh, that's what we talk about with an above reproach kind of thing. It's not that he doesn't take hits, it's that they don't stick, they don't cling. He is above reproach, and that is a, in a terrifically high standard. I think of Daniel, Daniel in the Old Testament, and I, and I hate to make these two comparisons I'm going to make, because man, talk about a high standard. We're saying, we're not Daniel, there was only one Daniel. He got a book, right? Uh, don't make me compete with Daniel. But what, ha what happened with Daniel? They tried to find mud to throw at him, and they could not find anything they could charge him with. They, they looked at the laws. They looked at the rules. They looked at the policies. They looked at all the standards they could come up with, and they could not find anything to charge him with. So they had to make up a brand new rule, a rule regarding his religion, rule regarding his faithfulness. And so if he, the, the rule, so the new rule said, you have to not be faithful to your life of prayer. And Daniel says, I'm not following that. And they threw him into a den of lions because of that, right? That's what they had to do to find a way to, to, to charge Daniel. And they tried, but nothing would stick. And the next example is worse than Daniel because he's better than Daniel is Jesus, right? Think of Jesus on trial. They could not even get false witnesses to agree against him. I mean, it should be really easy to get false witnesses to agree. Guys, here's your script. 
<laughs> right? Follow the script and he will be uh, charged. But they couldn't even get false witnesses to, to, to agree against him. They could not find charges to, to bring against him, except until once again they came to the area of religion. And they said, tell us the truth. Are you the Messiah? And he said, I am he. And that was the charge that they, they got Jesus with. And it was only because of his faith in God. If you call Jesus having faith in God, I mean, it's, it's Trinity stuff. It's, it's just confusing uh, how, how that works. But, but because of his faithfulness and his godliness and his goodness, uh, he, he, because of the truth of the charge, yes, he is the Son of God. Uh, that was what they found to, to take against charge against Jesus. Elders are supposed to have that kind of a standard. Now, I'm not saying we have to be Jesus, because we can't. I'm not saying we have to be Daniel, because I don't think we can do that either, right? That, that is just, that is that, that kind of absolute righteousness that these guys had is beyond us. But there is a practical living that says, the people who know you go, that's a good guy. I hear these people saying bad things about him. They're not true. This guy is good. I remember uh, someone coming up to me once and saying, do you, do you, here with the, do you know what that guy's saying about you? And, and they told me what this particular person was saying against me. I said, yeah, I know that. I know that. So aren't you going to do anything about it? No. Why not? Consider the, consider the, the source. <laughs> People will consider the source, right? They, they will consider it. First, yeah, first of all, John said it. There, it what he was saying was not true, which, by the way, means we're not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> First, what he was saying was not true. But second is that people know who they're hearing it from. They know who it's being said about, right? Uh, and, and we are not a cult. <laughs> In this particular case, that was the charge. Uh, and, and so it was nothing to worry about. The mud washed off. In this case, I get to be the good guy. It's kind of nice. Uh, the elder needs to live up to this kind of a standard. So that, Not that the charges won't come. Because people will throw mud. People do throw mud. It's what people do. Okay? Uh, you, you say, well, I'm, what do you mean by throwing mud? Let's start, let's say the word gossip. <laughs> right? Is there anybody here who has never been gossiped about? Because if that's true, you have lived a really, really boring life. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Any, any really boring people here? <laughs> John not only didn't put his hand up, he went down. <laughs> Right, the elder, the elder has to is is supposed to live up to the standard. The charges don't stick, and then he goes to number one on the list: the husband of one wife, uh, and this is the starting one. Uh, this is the very first. If you are going to be above reproach, you must be the husband of one wife. And that just throws everybody into a tizzy. Well, first of all, we need to figure out what it means. And the problem with starting to figure out what it means is we start finding reasons and ways to say it doesn't apply to me. We need to find out what it means. Not what is con a convenient meaning, but, but what it really means. So the easiest answer is he is currently married to his first and only wife. And that is a great solution and answer to the problem. The elder must be currently married to his first and only wife. Absolutely fits the criteria of husband of one wife. It's great. The most literal answer, by the way, is not that. The most literal answer is a one-woman man, right? Uh, because the Greek didn't have a word for husband and a word for, for wife. The way of saying a husband in Greek was... Uh, Anthrop I think it's anthropos, andros, I don't, andros, andros to auta, 
the man of her. Or, or the woman was the, I can't remember the words, some form of gynecology. <laughs> to, to Andros, the wife of him. Or the, not the wife, the woman of him. So it was the man of him or the woman of her. The man of her, <laughs> his woman, her man. That, that <laughs> okay. I have to break it down to redneck because I can't do it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Robert McDowell up here once, and he's talking about how redneck he is, and then he starts talking about the Greek. And I told him after church, rednecks don't talk about the Greek. <laughs> but some of us, regardless if we tried the Greek, we're still rednecks at heart. You know, what can I say? Anyway, the most literal answer is the man of one woman, a one-woman man. And this is more difficult to nail down to understand exactly what it means. But I think it is correct. This would be the opposite of a womanizer, the opposite of a philanderer, the opposite of a man with more than one woman, which does not necessarily mean polygamy more than one wife, but a guy who has a wife and is not satisfied with that. The guy who has a wife but plays around, the guy that has a wife but chases, the guy who has a wife but flirts, right? Uh, that would be the, the, the opposite of this thing, but the opposite is still not enough to get the exact answer. So how do, we, how do we arrive at the right answer? And I think first we need to consider what it meant to the original re- readers. They say in order to understand Corinthians, you have to go through Corinth. You have to know what it meant to the Corinthian readers before you can understand what it means to us. And fortunately for the Corinthians, they actually read Greek. This is a lot easier for them in that way. Uh, but... Uh, What did it mean to them? First thing you need to know about these people, these people were all recent converts, right? Every single one of them, recent converts. The church was brand new. I mean, brand new. This church might have been 10 years old by the time he wrote this, right? These are people who did not grow up with Christianity or Christian values. They didn't grow up with Christian examples to know what they're supposed to do. They didn't have any of those things. They did not have such a history. Okay, so their Christian morals that we would impose on the church do not apply to their past, right? It, it can't apply to them pre-Christ. They didn't, they, they were not, we, we can't even talk about pre their salvation, but pre the Christian influence. The Christian influence was a brand new thing. Second, I want you to understand something about all these statements. They are not statements about the person's past, but about his present, right? Uh, Because you walk through the list. uh, The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, or pugnacious. I can tell you stories both about drinking and about fighting, <laughs> okay? Uh, because that's my past, okay? Uh, nobody nobody ever, here's the thing, is we look at that and we say, yeah, but that's your past. You don't do those things. I have, I'll, I have not had a drink except I had one tiny sip of champagne at a wedding about, <laughs> I'm not sure how many years ago, but that was his second wedding, and this now he's on his third wife. <laughs> I, I just simply don't drink anymore because of my past, right? Uh, I have not, thrown a fist in anger in about the same amount of time, right? Uh, funny, that's an interesting coincidence now that you think about it. Uh, 
but they are in my past. But nobody says, no, Steve, because you have these things in your past, you can't be a pastor or an elder. But had I been married before, there would be people who say, no, no, you can't. And I believe that is inconsistent and inaccurate and wrong. I don't believe this is talking about a person's past. I believe it is talking about a person's present. Okay, uh, In my opinion... Well, you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 5.17? You do know, whether you know it or not. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. (laughs) He's not what he used to be. I am not what I used to be. And I'm not saying that just to defend myself. I'm saying that about every single person in here. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not who you used to be. I suspect I'm not the only one with a past. Apparently, I am me and John. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) saying from my past bad little boys grow up to be good pastors actually (laughs) i was at the being raised catholic and it was good grow up to be good priests but you know i apply it the same way Uh, and so i what i want i want to get this i i believe now there's always the possibility i could be wrong but i am persuaded that a person who once was not a one woman man can now be a one woman man Okay? And it's not about your past, it is about your present. I, I believe that. Uh, but still, that one woman man must be a one woman. And by the way, I don't believe that you, uh, with a statement of repentance or a statement of confession, all of a sudden become this, I mean, you may become the new person. If any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. But we know that sometimes these new creations walk in the old ways. And, and to, to know this is not necessarily to trust the individual. And so there must, you know, this ties into down below where he says, and not a new convert, right? Time must be observed. You can't say, well, you know, last week I was, I was philanderer, but now I'm a one-woman man, so I'm qualified, okay? No. Uh, what, is, what is an adequate amount of time? I don't know till we all agree. Say, so you know what? Yeah, we know your history, we know your past, but we recognize you're not who you were, what were back then. And, and we can say it. And, and I, don't, I don't think you can put a calendar date on that. You know, it's not an expiration date or a freshness date or something like that. It's just, it's just a point where you observe. Uh, and and I, we've had, <laughs> I remember walking up to a guy once to, to talk to him about being an elder here. This is many years ago. And he says, well, you know, I have a divorce in my history. I looked at him. I said, really? And then he told me the story. I'm going, really? I never would have guessed. Because guess what? He's a one-woman man. He was at that. He still is. He was at that time. He'd had a, but, but it was obvious from looking at him. There was no question knowing this individual that he was a man faithful and devoted to his wife uh, and, and well qualified to become an elder. And at that time, he chose not to be because he didn't want to expose that information. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Because I, be, I do believe, by the way, it it. it Something like that would need to be stated for the sake of everybody knowing all the relevant things. But in my opinion, a person meets this qualification if he has demonstrated a track record of being faithful to his wife, regardless of what he might have been in the past. He is a one-woman man. My opinion. I think it's right. Make it up to heaven and God will smack me. <laughs> in fact, maybe <laughs> there's a whole lot of things he might smack me for. You know, uh, let not many of you be teachers, my brethren. <laughs> we know that those who teach are getting a greater smacking in heaven. That's slight mistranslation of Jer- uh, James 3.1. But, uh, 
Okay, move on from husband and one wife. There's some positive characteristics, right? Uh, and, and I'm going to lump them together because what's really interesting is as your Bible translates them, some of them translate them differently. Not only differently, but they will translate one word with what another one translated the first word with, and they're similar enough. Okay, you must be the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable. Those three words are almost interchangeable. Uh, is he known for good judgment? Is he even temperate? Oh, by the way, I want to go back to that husband of one wife thing for a minute because I've been, talk, I've been talking about it in terms of, of elders, but I want to talk about it in terms of fathers, okay? Um, a lot of men have blown that one, right? Uh, a lot of men have blown that one. It is not necessarily the death of a marriage. It doesn't have to be the death of a marriage. It may be the death of a marriage, but it is not necessarily the death of a marriage, and that can be fixed. It, it, is, it is not a one and done. It can be, right? I'm not going to intrude on any relationship uh, where, where that has happened and say, say to a wife, you cannot divorce your husband because of that. I will not say that because the Bible uh-huh. says right there. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's right there in Matthew and in Mark where Jesus says, except for infidelity or except for adultery, right? Uh, but, I'm, but I will say it doesn't have to end a marriage because that man can fix that issue. And the husband who once was not faithful to his wife, who once was uh, not the man of one woman, not a one-woman man, can become that, okay? But... Just because he says it doesn't make it true. Time will prove it, and he can become. Sorry, I was thinking of a story in my family tree, but I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> but, I, but I will say that uh, I know personally of a case that was redeemed, and, uh, and it can happen. Okay, back to temperate, prudent, and respectable. The, the words are somewhat interchangeable. What about this guy? Is he known for good judgment? Is he even tempered? Does he behave wisely? As a rule, you know, it, it, normally, does he do these things? Uh, do people have confidence in him? Is he trustworthy? Or does he make them wonder? Right? If people, if you, you should never elect an elder who you're wondering about. You should have confidence in this person. You shouldn't go, yeah, okay, and check the box, right? That should not be the case. It should be, oh, yeah. What should happen is when you see the names of elders on the list for election, it should be, oh, yeah, I see that. It should, be, it should be the kind of thing that just clicks, and you go, sure, no, of course this person would be a good elder because he is temperate, prudent, uh, even-tempered. How'd that go? Uh, prudent, temperate, prudent, respectable. Okay? Uh, you should have confidence in the wisdom of your elders. Goes on to hospitable. When we think of hospitality, we think of someone opening up, up his home to others. The Bible especially make places, places a, a, uh, an emphasis on opening up your hospitality showing hospitality to visitors from, from out of town, you know, the, the missionaries and that kind of thing as, as they come in. But, but I, and, I, and that's a part of it, but I think there's more to it than that. Is this a person you can go to for help? Will this person put himself out for you? 
Will this person go out of his way to take care of your issues, that your problems that you have? Uh, that would be an example of hospita- hospitality, doing what you can to take care of another person's needs. That would be hospitable. Able to teach. This is not necessarily public speaking or the ability to teach a class. The way we teach classes is a modern thing. By modern, I mean in the last couple of hundred years. Uh, Prior to that, it wasn't done like this normally. You might get a group of people around a famous teacher like Aristotle or, or, or a rabbi who's, who's, who's going along, and he'd get his little group of people. But the idea of bringing people in and sitting them in a class and lecturing at them is a, is a modern phenomenon. That's not what this is talking about when it says able to teach. But can he explain God's word? Can you go to this person with questions and expect a reasonable and reliable answer? That will it make sense? Uh, he has to understand enough to be able to make it known in the face of questions and of challenges. And at the day when this was written, there were lots of challenges to God's word. Uh, when we read some of the different scriptures, we find out that people were doubting uh, whether Jesus was God. People were doubting... Um, um, I'm trying to think of some of the different things. People were confused about marriage. People were confused about grace versus you know, the, the whole role of, of, of personal righteousness in the light of grace. They, they were confused about money. They were confused about lots of things. He has to be able to, you know, these people were coming and they had to have someone they could go to for answers on these questions. And the elders have to be the kind of guy who can say, yes, here is the, tr- the, the correct understanding about these things. Uh, put another way, the, the word doctrine means teaching. They have to have good doctrine. Okay, they're, they're, I should stop saying okay. <laughs> I, listen, I listen to myself on the podcast, and it's like, oh man, I hate listening to myself on the podcast because I say things like K K. <laughs> um, I say Judas when I mean Jesus. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's a reason I'm not famous. <laughs> you say you say more than one. <laughs> He has to have good doctrine. And you don't push it too far. You don't push that too far. He doesn't have to be able to explain every difficult passage of Scripture. Because we know there are some passages of Scripture that are more difficult than others. There are some passages of Scripture, for instance, the husband of one wife. If you, by the way, disagree with me and you say, I think it means this or that, I'm very likely to say, you know what? I recognize your position is valid and I won't argue with you about it. Because I recognize that there are other takes on that passage. And, and you heard my reasons for why I think my take is right. But if you say, no, I, believe, I think it, it means the, a man who is married to his first and only wife and no other exceptions, I can't look at you and say that's, that's wrong. Because while well, I don't think it's correct, I can't say it's wrong. I certainly can't prove it's wrong. And so, and so you, you have to recognize, even though we're saying uh, be able to teach, the person you can go to and get the answers and trust their doctrine doesn't mean they're able to explain every difficulty of Scripture. So, so don't push it too far, but able to teach. Okay, those are the positives, those positive characteristics. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. There are some negatives to avoid. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Uh, and so we have these negatives, and they're, they're set with, with uh, the opposites uh, uh, with them. You know, not addicted to wine. 
Okay, I like the King James, or maybe it's the, the older King James, not a wine-bibber. You know, it's, it's not a word that I, we use in normal English, but it just has a feel, doesn't it? Not a wine-bibber. The way I grew up, it would have been not a drunk. Okay, A drunk is not above reproach. Uh, if he is good in every other way, but he you know, every Saturday night is tottering down Main Street, uh-uh, no. Uh, people know that. People, people know those things. Uh, they, they don't. Uh... I, I, I knew a man, he wanted to buy some cooking sherry. So he drove to Spokane to buy it because he didn't dare buy it in Davenport because <laughs> people would know he was buying it. And it's like, okay. I actually rode with him. Uh, the pastor, who <laughs> helped someone buy cooking cherry. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I was expecting other words. <laughs> okay. We all know the difference between someone who drinks too much and someone who drinks in moderation. We all know the difference between someone who drinks too much and someone who is irresponsible. And we can take that wine bibber, and by the way, I think we can apply it to several other things that are legal in Washington State, right? Um, we can do that. He's not addicted to wine or those other things. Not pugnacious, and there we have the contrast with it. Not pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable. He's not out to cause trouble and is not looking for a fight. Interestingly, let's go from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 24 and 25. And this is not addressed to elders. This is addressed to Timothy. But, but we see that it goes right along with not pugnacious but gentle. Because pugnacious, you know, the word is pugilistic. It has to do with boxing, Caleb. Caleb keeps trying to punch me. It's, see, it's, it's like you hit me in the gut, it's like hitting a rock covered with padding. <laughs> uh, He's not out to cause a fight. He's not out looking for a fight. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Right? He's not to be pugnacious, but gentle. But it doesn't mean he, he, he gets pushed away and doesn't say anything. That does not remotely mean he does not stand for the truth. Not, not vaguely does it say, therefore, don't stand for the truth so that you can avoid problems. He says, let your goal be peaceful. Let your manner be gentle. He is not looking for a fight. He is a peacemaker, but he does stand for the truth. He is not, it's not that he can't take a stand, but that he has a better way to accomplish his goal than bullying or fighting or trying to push his way onto other people. And, and by the way, that has proved out, proved itself to be so true in so many cases. And, and in case you don't know it, I'll give you the, call it the trick of being gentle. Because when you are overmatched, you become shrill. When you are overmatched, you become desperate and you try harder. And so it's like, 
like the big, great big guy can come up and just grab you and move you. The little guy can't do it back, so he punches, <laughs> right? Uh, to, he, he, and he tries really hard, and he does the whole wildcat thing to try to, you know, survive the big guy. But the big guy gets to be gentle because he's big and strong. He just picks him up and moves him, right? Uh, that is uh, the person who is not being gentle. And why we be- don't become gentle? Because we feel we are overmatched. We become insecure and fearful. Here's the thing. If you are speaking for God, if you are speaking God's truth, get this in your brain. You have the power of God and of God's truth behind you. And when you trust in that, you recognize that the simple words you speak calmly and patiently have power. They have far more power than anything his intellect or skill or training can give him. But God's word says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he can say everything he wants. You go, yeah, but the Bible says in the beginning, and there's power to that. There is more power. We we think our position is weak because it doesn't sound scientific, because it doesn't sound intellectual, because it doesn't sound deep, but there is power in it because God's word is being spoken. And it gives you that ability to answer gently because you have power, far more power than that person does. Free from the love of money. Money is like food. Isn't the problem with food that we need it? Or maybe the problem with food is that we like it. <laughs> what, what for sure is the problem with food? You know, uh, you can say unprocessed sugar. I don't, you know, I like unprocessed sugar uh, or processed sugar or whatever kind of sugar it is that we're not supposed to have. Money is like food. We, we like it, we need it, but too much of it can be a bad thing. Money should not be the elder's driving focus. By the way, it should not be the father's driving focus. Uh, it's not his driving force. He is to be able to earn it, He is to be able to have it. He is to be able to avoid money owning him. Right? That's the big difference. If your money owns you, then money is too big in your heart and your life. We all need money. It's one of the things God gave us. It's how he made this world to work. He doesn't say we don't need money. He he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We get to the next father one, dads. He must manage his own household well. I want you to notice something. If space means anything, this is the most important qualification. It gets two verses. The others, you had several qualifications in one verse. This one gets two verses. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Way more space to this one than to any of the others. Dads, Father's Day, sorry. You know, I remember Walt Sweets was saying, why are you nice to moms on Mother's Day but beat on dads on Father's Day? (laughs) Because women scare me. (laughs) It's like, Duh. (laughs) If space given reflects importance, then this is a very important qualification. If he is not a good father, he will not make a good elder. And it does not disqualify a man who has no children, but it robs us of a tool to appraise him uh, if he doesn't have children. Because sometimes, who knows why God doesn't give children sometimes? He just doesn't sometimes. Uh, but uh, 
so I don't think it disqualifies him. He can still be that perfect qual candidate, but it, we rob we lose an ability to to evaluate. But if he's not a good father, he can't make a good elder. So we look at the words two two, two phrases: manage well, and keep under control with all dignity, and try to figure out what they are. So I'm going to compare this with a couple of other words to fathers. First, first with some words to elders, right? First. Peter 5.3, if you were here last week, you'll, be, you'll remember this one. Not, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Speaking of qualification of an elder, not as lording it over those in your charge, but examples to the flock. And then we can go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, or 6, verse 3. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, uh, uh, is what it says. I like the the version that says, "Do not exasperate your children." As fathers, we can set, we can be tough, we can be tough on our kids. Fathers can be tough on their kids, especially our sons. I think, because our daughters are princesses, our sons are little rats, <laughs> right? Uh, dads have a reputation for being heavy-handed and demanding. Uh, that is not managing them well. That is not showing dignity. It is accomplished more by setting an example and leading respectfully. Doesn't mean dad can't pull out, you know, the spanking paddle. Mine looks a lot like this, right? Some people use other tools. I, I've all, I always liked this one. <laughs> they say, well, I don't want it to be personal. I don't want them to associate with my hand. And my answer was, I want them to associate it with my hand. <laughs> they haven't come back and exacted revenge yet. <laughs> doesn't mean you can't do that, but it's not your weapon of first choice. It's not your first desire. It is not your goal to have a way to find an excuse to spank your child every day. If it's absolutely necessary, then you pull that out, but, but manages his household well with all dignity. Because that, by the way, then, is how you manage the church. We don't run around throwing that rod of discipline around looking for opportunities to punish people in the church. That would be a really bad elder, would it not? Instead, leading by example, managing well, expectations, reasonableness, respect. The same things that make for good parenting make for good eldering. New word. Not a new convert. Protect him and the church. If I can throw out a celebrity name, B.J. Thomas. Anybody remember B.J. Thomas? Raindrops keep falling on my head. He was, a, he was a, a celebrity in the public square, got saved, put up front immediately in the Christian music scene, and stumbled badly. I shouldn't say badly. I don't, I'm not aware of any large sins he did or anything. He just, but he stumbled uh, and, and uh, did not do well. And I, I believe it's because the church did not properly protect him and threw him into a position of huge significance way too quickly. And I don't know how you stop that, but, but somebody, somebody need to say, hey, this is not good. You need to step back for a while. Get yourself established in your faith. Know who you are and what you are and why you are. Right? Uh, you, you would have protected him. Okay, we need to protect the church because, because if we take somebody who's not prepared, who does not have the, the knowledge and the, the, all those things built up that we naturally build up over time, does not have those things, then he's going to be a bad leader and the church is going to be damaged. Do not lay hands on anyone too quickly and share responsibility for their sins. We looked at that last week. Not a new convert, lest he become 
so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. The devil's problem was pride. New convert, hard to avoid that. Look at me, look at me. The guy who's been saved for a long time looks at it and it just takes it as a natural step. Uh, and, and it's not quite such a big deal. Finally, he must have a good reputation outside the church. Sometimes we can look good in our own little circle and really bad to the rest of the world because we in our own little circle are judging people by religious standards. He knows the songs. He knows the words. He uses the right vocabulary. Uh, he gives big to missions. He, he, and we see these things and we do that. We don't know that out in the world because we're not paying attention to anything there. We don't know that he um, is having a feud with his neighbor over something trivial. We don't know that he has got bills he has not paid. We don't know that people look at the church and say, oh, he goes there, then I won't. We don't know that. We need to find out, does he have a good reputation? Sometimes the world is better at evaluating people than we are because we put on our little rose-tinted glasses and all we see is rose-tinted things. And he says, he says, they must have a good reputation with those outside the church. Okay, He needs to be thought of well in the world as well. Okay, this is a really, really quick run-through. Uh, if you know me at all, you know I could have spent a week on each one of those. <laughs> uh, on the qualifications of an elder, I didn't want to do that. But a summary statement of this all would be above reproach. Above reproach. The kind of guy that someone will dislike and may throw mud at, but when they, it hits him, it just wipes off. Do a little bit of this, and it's gone. Is he, is he above reproach? Is he someone that people would be surprised at or readily recognize the correctness of his being an elder in the church? And because it's Father's Day, a good elder makes a good dad. And a good dad makes a good elder. Okay. Let's close with that. Father, I thank you that we get to call you Father, uh, that you are the perfect Father. I thank you for your love for us, for your strength, for our ability to rely on you and trust you always. Lord, I ask for each man in this congregation and each, each young man who will become a father, each man who is a father, that we are able to live out these these things in our own lives, and be to our family everything we're supposed to be. And if by some chance we have not, that you would correct and change us, make us different from what we came in, let us be better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.